Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome back to the Red Sox Precap Podcast, the podcast from the Oh the Monster Podcast Network, where we recap the series that just ended, preview the series that's about to start. I'm your host, Keaton DeRocher, joined by a new co-host for this season, Bailey Von Schneider. Bailey, welcome to the podcast. Happy to have you on. How's it going? Thank you. Uh, thank you so much. Yeah, it's going well. I'm really excited to be on here talking Red Sox. Awesome. Got a late start to the season for this podcast because, uh, in all honesty, I forgot the season had started and that I was supposed to be doing a podcast. So, it apologies happens. for that, but here we go. <laughs> so, <laughs> let's dive on in reviewing the Minnesota Twins. Game one, Nick Pavetta versus Joe Ryan. The Red Sox take the loss 8-4. to four. Nick Pavetta only lasted two innings here, uh, dropping to 0-2, allowed four runs, all earned, five hits, two walks, two strikeouts, now has a 9.39 ERA. Uh, Valdez, Brazier, Austin Davis combined for five shutout innings in relief. Saramura gave up two runs in two innings pitch. Barnes also gave up two runs in his one inning. We had dingers from Verdugo. Endeavors, JBJ, also added two hits. Back to Nick Pavetta. Very short start. So far, uh, not a great start to the season for Pavetta. What are your thoughts on his start here? Yeah, I mean, after the game, I think he came out and pretty much said that he was really working on his mechanics, and he thought that his mechanics were off, and it, and he is very much a mechanical pitcher. Like, he's talked about that in the past. So if it is if it is mechanics, I mean, I think that's something he could definitely get a hold of and be able to be successful, because we know the stuff is there, and it's really just about putting it together. And I was hoping that this season, I mean, he looked pretty good in the spring, but um, it's been like it's been a little discard like disencouraging like so far like not not a fan of it but you know yeah how much of an effect mm. do you think that the short spring has on a guy like Pavetta who is so mechanically driven? 
Yeah, I think it definitely does. I think we were seeing a lot of guys early on, you know, really getting their, you know, their feet under them. Like, you know, I mean, first of all, like, we weren't really hitting really early on. And we were just seeing a lot of guys try to, you know, really get a feel for it. And especially, like, we talk about mechanics is a big feel situation. So the idea of, you know, bringing in someone that, you know, making them start the season like later, but having this, like, you know, this shortened spring training, I think it definitely messes with someone like him for sure. So uh, I, I'm well documented on these pods as being uh, not a huge fan of Nick Pavetta <laughs> as a starting pitcher. Uh, I'll begrudgingly accept him as a five starter, obviously, yeah. uh, with the injuries and the way things are right now. He's thrust into the number two uh, role here. Um, what are your thoughts on Pavetta long term as a starter in this rotation? Yeah, so it, it's funny. I think his stuff is really good, but I don't know if it necessarily translates well to the starter role. Like when he did pitch in the playoffs and he came out of the bullpen, he like strikes me as someone who could maybe really, I don't know, like thrive off of that type of a situation. Like we saw how excited he got. So maybe a, like really like a late inning relief role could be really beneficial for him but obviously if we talk about injuries like you not only need him in your rotation right now you need him to be you know not just a four or a five whereas I think he is a four or a five if you're going to keep him in the rotation so it's really honestly unfair for him to be you know thrust into the number two role when he has no business really being a number two yeah that is fair um, something that I have noticed though early in the season so far, Phillips Valdez is having a real nice yes. start to the season, and mm-hmm. I I'm buying him more and more in a high leverage relief role. Yeah, I agree. I think what he's shown has been fantastic so far, and it's really about just going out there and pitching and having that sort of a mentality to go out and you know not really care. Like I feel like you have to have that sort of you have to have the like the short-term memory to go out there. And when you're doing it as successfully as he has so far, it's it's hard not to trust him. And I think that Cora should really be giving him more of that sort of like a higher leverage. I agree with that for sure. Uh, on to game two. Mm-hmm. Tanner Houck versus Sonny Gray. Red Sox get the win four to nothing. Tanner Houck went five and two-thirds, four strikeouts, three walks, only two hits, though. Mm-hmm. Uh, we will loop back to him. Strom went an inning, and Whitlock finished it off from there. Uh, two two-run home runs from Verdugo and Bogarts. Um, again, because uh, you are the new voice here, mm-hmm. uh, and we have talked this to death, but we will continue to do so until we have uh, <laughs> stuff sure. to find. But uh, what are your thoughts on Tanner Houck long-term here as a starter? Okay, so I have always, always been on the want him in the bullpen type of a person, and it's mainly because he doesn't have the development of a third pitch quite yet, really doesn't have a handle on it. But then again, he did just go out and pitch five and two-thirds innings. Pitchers nowadays don't really go deeper than that. It seems to be the way baseball has been progressing. So if you're going to get nearly six innings of no-run baseball from Tanner Houck, I mean, I don't really think you could really ask for much more within that starter role, but I am somebody who believes that Whitlock stuff plays better in a starting role. So if they were, like, flip-flopped, like, putting Whitlock in the starting role and then just having that weapon um, of, you know, of um, having a weapon like Hauk in the bullpen, I think, could just be such a value. I think Hauk can do it. And I think uh, 
it's been interesting to see through. It's only two starts so far. Mm-hmm. Um, his splitter usage is slightly up. It's up to 8%. I'd like to see it a lot higher than that. It's such a really good pitch for him. So I actually, I wrote about this at goodoldoverthemonster.com mm-hmm. as his one big question. Um, and it, even though he doesn't use it a lot and it's only a small sample, like last yeah. year he used it, I think it was like seven and a half percent of the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that seven and a half percent of the time that he used it, it was as effective as a slider. And if he has two pitches that are uh, that effective in getting swings and misses, they were both at like, I think like 40% whiff rates and 50% put away pitches for him. Mm. That's absurd. Obviously, if he yeah. uses it more than 7% of the time, it's probably going to be some regression on that. Mm-hmm. But have it, just having two pitches of that ability, like he just needs to throw it more. So I'm a little happy to see that it's up a percentage, but I'd like to see it up way more than that. <laughs> and then maybe we can see a lot more six-inning outings from him. So Yeah, if he gets we'll a handle of it, I absolutely have no issue with it. I mean, we saw how successful he was against the you know a pretty decent lineup in the in you know in the Minnesota Twins so I have no problem with him being given this opportunity to start by any stretch yeah mm-hmm. Twins absolutely shut down in this one Red Sox mm-hmm. get the win even at one game apiece heading into game three game three saw Michael Waka versus Bailey over Red Sox get the win eight to one here Michael Waka goes five mm-hmm. innings allowing one hit two walks five Ks uh Strom Went one and a third, allowing one run. Brazier, Deakman, Davis go to the final 2.2 scoreless to close it out. Red Sox offense blew it open with a six-run eighth inning to seal the deal. Three hits from Bogarts, uh, two from Devers, two RBIs from Story and J.D. Martinez. Every starter had a hit except Ploiecki. Michael Waka now has nine strikeouts through nine and a third innings pitched and an ERA under one. Uh, obviously everything at this stage is a small sample. Of course. Uh, but how good do we feel about Michael Waka locking down a, a rotation spot right now? I mean, I feel like it's hard not to. What Just like we're seeing it, an ERA under one. He was just going out there and he was just dominating, like which was just so great to see. And like he did struggle for... Uh, a good bit of 2021, but he did start to figure things out toward, towards the end of the season, and he started to settle into being really successful. So it looks like he's taking that success over with him into this season, which is just so great. I mean, I would like, you know, I would love to see if you can have, and if you have Michael Walker pitching this well, and let's say he's your fourth or your fifth starter, I mean, what more could we possibly ask for? Yeah, I was trying to figure out, because I am obviously small sample size, so I'm still a little skeptical. Mm, of course. Of course. <laughs> but I was trying to figure out what, if anything, has changed. And I'm honestly, like, confused. Because I, so, he did have success towards the end of last season. Yes. And it was because he, he had dropped, um, what was the pitch? He dropped hey, a pitch. Now he I did drop a pitch, and yeah, for sure. And that led to some success. Cutter. He dropped his cutter. cutter. And just went strictly to a four-seam fastball. Mm-hmm. Um, and he had a lot of success with that. Yeah. Ironically enough, though, he's brought the cutter back this year, and he's mm-hmm. throwing it 15% of the time. Um, but he's not giving up any hard contact whatsoever. And that was kind of the difference. So even though he had a lot of success over the last month of the year, he was still giving up a lot of hard hit balls and uh, was prone to give up homers. That's, like, completely eliminated this year, even mm-hmm. with bringing that pitch back. And that's why I'm confused about. So I don't know if it's just fun with small sample size or if there's something else that's deeper in there that's caused something to change 
um maybe that's worth digging in and writing a or writing a, a deeper piece about but uh, but like you said, it's hard to argue with the results. And yes. you, the, given the state of the rotation, um, it's hard not to be, you know, feel confident with him going out there uh, and getting starts, um, given the potential for alternatives there. So mm-hmm. uh, not something I would have predicted uh, feeling about Michael Walker coming <laughs> into the year. So uh, pleasantly surprised. That's for sure. Yeah, for sure. Then game four today. Rich Hill versus Dylan Bundy. Uh, Red Sox got the loss, eight to three. Twins able to get a series split. Uh, Rich Hill, four and two thirds, six hits, four runs, all earned, two mm-hmm. walks, two Ks. Now is an ERA of seven on the season. Phillips Valdez, another clean inning. Carter Crawford had another terrible, horrible, no good, very bad day. <laughs> now has an ERA over fifteen. Five walks today in an inning and two thirds, only two Ks and four runs allowed. Sarmuro was able to finish off the last inning in the third. We had three hits for Bogey, two each for J.D. and Vasquez, who hit his first home run. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the Sox left 21 men on base. So far this year, that has not really been an issue for the Red Sox. That was something Shelly and I talked about uh, significantly on this podcast last year. That was a major issue for the Red Sox. So far, uh, this was really the first game where they ran into a lot of trouble like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, hoping that doesn't start to creep up on them. But... Um, Got a couple other guys to talk about. First, Richelle, what was your reaction to his start today? Okay, so it's interesting because we were talking about being, you know, scared of Waka, and I felt like I was like flip flopped on the idea of like I thought Waka would be potentially having the the worst starts, and that Rich Hill would somehow just be able to keep throwing at forty two years old as successfully yeah. as he has. But we're seeing it sort of be a little a little flip flop where Michael Waka is really stepping up, and Rich Hill is regressing into the background a little bit. So it it hasn't been super encouraging, uh, but potentially if you can hold water with him as your fifth until you get Chris Sale back. I mean, I guess that it's totally fine, but um, I just, I guess I would have expected just a little bit more from him. But then again, maybe that's asking too much at the same time. Yeah. As, see, this is the difficult part about having a rotation that's full of fifth starters. Yes. Is <laughs> like, who do you actually feel good about getting fifth starter results from? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Kind of getting it from everybody Facts. two through five. <laughs> uh, I, I felt the exact same way. I figured Rich Hill would just kind of, you know, plug along and mm-hmm. um, he would be the guy that would just kind of get results. And then um, eventually Waka would probably get replaced. Um, yeah. And that may not be the case anymore. Maybe flip flops. Uh, I think Jake and I gave a prediction on how many innings we thought Rich Hill would pitch uh jake was far less optimistic than i was i think i guess like 120 and i think he jake committed to like 80 Ooh. Uh, so far jake might be he could be right he could be right <laughs> yeah Oof. um it also again is like it's really early and you just got to kind of stick through these turns to the rotation but yeah. um the red sox offense was able to put some rallies together they just weren't able to get I mean, as we mentioned with 21 men left on base just weren't able to get anybody across the board uh, and then uh, Carter Crawford uh, imploded, and it got completely out of hand. Um, d- does he need to not be at the major league level right yeah, now? Yeah, I think he needs to be back in, in AAA and Worcester for sure. Because it, I've been really impressed outside of Carter Crawford, who I, I believe isn't ready right now. I've been really impressed with this bullpen that we've had so far. Because, you know, a lot of people were questioning it. And, like, out, like really outside of... Outside of Crawford, everybody has looked 
really well, like has pitched really well. So I do think I just, I don't know if he's, if he's ready. I mean, he had a good spring. That's why he made this team, but yeah, he might really be still need some seasoning down AAA. Yeah. I think I'm with you. And uh, you can count me as one of those ones that's been pleasantly surprised with the, the bullpen. You know, we talked about um, Phillips Valdez, but there's kind of like that four headed monster right now in the bullpen of Diekman, Strom, Whitlock uh, or five-headed monster Robles you can count in there too yeah. and Phillips Valdez all of them have ERAs under two uh, and have been really kind of stalwarts there um, Brazier great. has also been pitching well um, other guys got some things to figure out you know you're going to have your ups and downs with Barnes um, yeah but yeah Cutter Crawford is kind of the standout there is the the one that's been quite a, a sore thumb and uh, maybe needs to get some more seasoning in him before he comes back yeah, I agree. So all of that leads up to a series split with the Twins. Uh, who do you got for series MVP? Oh, Alex Verdugo. Woof. He is yep. on fire. Like, the, this is, I mean, again, we, we were speaking to small sample sizes, but I was expecting a breakout. But the the way he, he just looks so comfortable in the box, I mean, he is like, his slugging is like he's literally slugging like six three three. He has a one seventy WRC plus. Like it is absolutely bonkers how well he has been hitting so far. Yep, same with me. At least one hit in every game. A couple of dingers. Mm-hmm. MVP for me too. All right, we will take a quick break. Come back and we will preview the series against the Blue Jays. All right, your current standings in the American League East. The Toronto Blue Jays are currently in first at six and four. The Rays, Yankees, and Red Sox are all tied for second at five and five, and the Orioles are in last at three and six. Um, <laughs> that uh, four-headed monster of a race uh, is uh, right in the thick of it from the jump here, as the top four teams are all within a game. I don't think we all figured they'd be at five hundred, but you know, there you go. So. Uh, pitching matchups, we have Nathan Evaldi versus Yusei Kikuchi in Game 1, Nick Pivetta versus Jose Barrios in Game 2, Tanner Houck versus Kevin Gaussman in Game 3. What do you think we can expect from those matchups? Yeah, so I'm thinking that the Red Sox for sure could be... I, I went with that it's they're going to lose two of the three, especially because I'm not sure is... Hauk actually confirmed. I don't believe he's going to be. Or is this? Are we home? Are we? Still we home? are home. Oh, yeah. that's my so bad. I had, I had that, to do a double is, take on that as well. Oh, okay. That <laughs> yeah. is my bad. All right. So scratch that. Um, yeah. So I think for sure, since we're home, we'll have home field advantage. But I just really think that the Blue Jays are just so good. That lineup is absolutely incredible. You know, you have a healthy George Springer at the top of it. I think the Red Sox are going to sneak with one. I think they'll probably win the Evaldi game. I think they'll lose Pivetta, and I think it'll come down but it'll be close between Hauk and Gossman. They could potentially get two if Hauk pitches well, but I think for sure they're going to lose the middle game versus uh, Brillios. Yeah, so I flip-flopped back and forth on this a couple times and I eventually went with the Red Sox winning too. Mm. Um, I'd love it. <laughs> because I feel like if there's a time to catch the Blue Jays right now is the time to do it. Um, mm, that's a good point. Kind of because I, I don't feel like any of the four teams that you know we mentioned that four-headed monster have really hit their stride or really like 
done much here in the first 10 games or so to um, really kind of like put their stamp on the division or really show what they can do yet. Um, and the Blue Jays in particular, like you said, Kikuchi has got a five and 5.4 ERA. Mm-hmm. Um, he's better than that. I mean, he's not like a lights out kind of guy, but he's definitely better than that. Jose Barrios is, has, is awful. He says an ERA of almost 12 right now. He's way better than that. Way better. <laughs> uh, Kevin Gaussman's got an ERA of 4.2 and 14 strikeouts. So, I mean, he's even the ERA side, at least. He's a little bit better than that, too. So, it's kind of like uh, like we talked about with Pavetta, where he's still kind of getting his feet under him. Mm-hmm. It seems like that's the case with a lot of the pitching for the Blue Jays as well. And it feels like it's either... This is the time to catch them, and the Red Sox lineup is going to feast. Or it's kind of like law that averages is going to catch up, and Toronto might sweep the series because their pitching finally corrects themselves, which I'm really hoping is not the case. Yes, especially being you know at Fenway. Hopefully, the Red Sox will have that because when they go do go to Toronto, they'll be at a disadvantage. Yep, exactly. So, but eventually, I, I had the exact same thought. I was like, I really feel confident in Evaldi's matchup. I don't feel great about Pavetta's matchup. Mm-hmm. So it comes down to Gaussman and Tanner Houck. Uh, and I just am overly confident in Tanner Houck's ability as a starter. So I just eventually let my emotions get the best of me. And I mm-hmm. feel like, there you go. Red Sox get two out of three. I'd love it. I, uh, no complaints from me if that happens. <laughs> yeah. Um, kind of similar on the, the bats side. Uh, Toronto's lineup that they're rolling mm-hmm. out via roster resource. Uh, George Springer leading off. Bo Bichette, Vlad Guerrero Jr., Lourdes Gurriel Jr., Matt Chapman, Rymel Tapia. Santiago Espinal, Alejandro Kirk, Kevin Biggio. Um, outside of Vladimir Guerrero Jr., who is having a really good season, like uh, it's not really a surprise. <laughs> um, they have a lot of guys that are underperforming so far to start the season, like uh, Matt Chapman sitting 226. Um, Springer hitting 270. He's better than that. Um, Loris Gurriel is hitting 306. That's pretty good, but he hasn't really done anything else with it. No homers, mm-hmm. um, not a lot going on there. Biggio has effectively been benched um, in favor of Espinal. So mm-hmm. their lineup, I feel like, is kind of in a similar way. Um, and if the Red Sox pitching, uh, particularly the bullpen, like if the starters can hand it over to the bullpen, um, this is a team that strikes out a lot. So it's it's has the potential for the Red Sox mm-hmm. to – um, you know, catch these guys at the right time and be effective. So I just, it feels like there's no better time than now to kind of uh, maybe catapult themselves uh, into some action here within division. So um, I'm hoping that they can take advantage of the opportunity. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree. It would be great if they could just leapfrog early on, especially because, like, we talk about the Red Sox are getting their feet under them, and it's proving that it's the same for Toronto. So if you could take advantage of that now, it could be very beneficial as as it continues on for the rest of the season. Yeah. Who is your guess or series MVP? Yeah, I'm just going to go with uh, I'm going to go with Garrett Whitlock. I just really love how they've been using him. I think if we do, I think he might piggyback on Hauk, so like he has, so that could be then persuade me to believing that like you know we could win. We could sneak out too because you know the Hauk and Whitlock could go back to back and I just think that's such a, yeah. a value to the Red Sox. So it has been so far. Yeah, definitely. I went with Avaldi um, he's had two okay starts so far. I haven't had a great Evaldi start yet. So I'm hoping um, right from the jump, game one, 
set the tone, solid of all these start, catapult the rest. Would love it. Yeah. All right. Thanks for listening. Uh, we have some other great podcasts on this uh, Over the Monster Podcast Network. We have the Over the Monster Podcast that Matt and Brian do. Uh, we have the uh, the Red Seat Podcast that Jake and I do. Um, we have Bob and someone um, that will do the uh, Red Sox minor league one. Uh, it seems like we'll have a rotating cast there. And then, of course, we have this one that you'll get uh, after every series. So join Bailey and myself. Uh, also, check us out at Over the Monster, where uh, I have not done anything uh, recently <laughs> except the roundtables, except uh, maybe I'll write about Michael Waka. Uh, have you done anything besides the roundtables? That was great. Yeah, I've done the roundtables, and then I've just done uh, a couple. I did the preview series for the Detroit Tigers. So getting back into doing some of that stuff, because I enjoy that. It's a lot of fun. Awesome. Uh, do you have anything else uh, non-OTM related that you want to promote as well? Yeah, you can catch me. I work with uh, the Pesky Report, so I guest on their podcast every so often. And then I actually started a, a springboarding off of the Pesky Report I have with my friend Crystal O'Keefe. We have what we call Soxy Chicks, because I'm a Red Sox fan. She's a White Sox fan. And uh, every Sunday we talk uh, what happened this week in baseball. Awesome. Great. You can find us on Twitter. You can find me at the Spoken Keats. You can find Bailey at Frawline89. Thanks for listening. We'll be back later in the week to recap Blue Jays and preview the Rays.